Isaiah 28. We're going to start at verse 7. Um, it says this, Isaiah 28, 7, But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink and are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight and thank you yeah. for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me one more time to preach your word. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self, Lord, and help us to hear what your word has for us tonight, Lord. And I ask that you just make it come alive in our ears. Not just yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as a knowledge in our brain, but Lord, that we would use it wisdom applied to our lives. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. So the prophet at the beginning of chapter 28 begins, uh, he is named, he says that he is prophesying to Ephraim and that is one of the prominent tribes in the northern kingdom and really he's talking of the whole northern kingdom of Israel. He is warning them that judgment is coming, uh, you know, and which shouldn't be a surprise if we're in one of the books of the prophets, uh, but Israel is going to be invaded by the Assyrians and it's going to happen in a couple years from this point and Isaiah is talking to them about their sins and then later on in the chapter he's going to switch and verse 14 and start prophesying to Judah but I want to focus on the first uh, part there to the to the northern kingdom of Israel see the Assyrians were soon coming to overthrow their kingdom and to take their people captive and you see it starts out the chapter right at the beginning woe to the crown of pride to the drunkards of Ephraim whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. So he calls that city of Samaria, that was the, uh, the chief city there, a crown of pride. And if you could see what it looked like, you know, it was a city that was on a hill, and all around it was fertile areas, so just a beautiful place uh, uh, to look at. And that's what he's saying. He's this beautiful spot with this beautiful land. He's calling it a fading flower. He's saying it's beautiful now, but it will soon fade away when the judgment comes. And we see that around us as well. You know, there are uh, uh, things in this earth that are beautiful, but one day it's all going to be burned up with the elements as a fervent heat, God said. But one of the things he makes clear in the first half of this chapter, if you didn't catch it, uh, he starts talking about alcohol. And that has brought down many nations before, many uh, homes, many relationships and, career, and careers and everything else have been brought down with alcohol. And it, if you notice that it's linked with pride in this chapter, they're interchanged where they're saying pride and alcohol go together. 
And you know, many Christians have no problem with it, but I did a search and found that it is mentioned. I, I did two searches, one uh, of drunken, which includes drunkenness and, and all sorts of the uh, different endings of it. And then also strong drink. And I found a hundred verses just by searching those two things. Now, if you search wine in the Bible, it's huge. I mean, it is, it is really big in the Bible, but I picked those two drunkenness and strong drink. And I, I looked at that and there were so many uh, mentions of it, and almost every time it was negative. And you know, when I, I was talking to Bob yesterday, and when we were talking about doctrine and different things like that, and I said, uh, you know, men, uh, we come up with doctrine. We, uh, we, we take what the Bible says and we create, uh, whether it's rules or, or who we think God is or, or how salvation works and different things like that and build a doctrine. But the problem is, Usually our doctrine is not is not perfectly in line with God's word, because in all reality, I told him, if you're going to come up with the truth from the Bible, you've got to take every single verse that talks about it from the beginning all the way to the end. Every one of them in context, what God's saying, and you've got to take the things that support what you believe and the things that don't. And you've got to put it all together and figure out how all of it can be true. And usually you realize it's, it's above us. But most people are never going to come anywhere near that. They will take one verse that they like and then sometimes twist it out of context or whatever and say, here's why I do this or here's why I'm okay with that. Well, if alcohol is something you're going to uh, just freely indulge in, then you've got to take all those 100 verses and you've got to figure it out. But it's pretty clear. I'll give you a couple of them uh, uh, tonight before we get into further into the message. Uh, Leviticus 10, 8, and 9. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong, strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee. When ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, yeah. lest ye die, it should be a statute uh, forever throughout your generation. So he said, I don't want the priests to have it. Uh, I don't want them to deal with it. The Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6, six prohibited wine and strong drink too. And then Proverbs 31, 6 said it's not for kings or princes to drink wine or strong drink. So you put all those things together. He said no, uh, no to priests, no to kings, no to priests, no to Nazarites, and then all the other verses together. I'm here to tell you it's pretty uh, it's pretty against it. And then in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 5, 11 and Galatians 5, 21. Those are those groups that have different lists of sins and different things. And both of them talk about drunkenness and both say they're not going to see the kingdom of God. So you can look at all the things and you can pick out certain things and ignore other things or whatever. But I say if you're going to seriously look into it, you've got to take them all. You know what I usually hear is, well, Jesus turned water into wine. So they're picking one thing and they're going to run with that. But anyway, you've got to take every single passage and that's no matter what you're talking about. No matter what you want, you've got to take them all. And most people don't do that. And neither did Israel. And that's what we're finding. They ignored what God was saying about them. They ignored the judgment. They ignored the prophets. They ignored uh, what God said. And it was leading to their downfall. And see, they mixed pride with that, and that pride kept them from anyone telling them what to do. And doesn't that sound like today's yeah. society today? Don't you dare tell me how to live, or what's right and wrong, or what's moral or not moral, or what's accepted or not. And then they take it a step further, you notice. They say, I don't want you to just not tell me what's good or what's bad. I want you to accept everything that I say is good and bad. It's crazy. It's crazy, because you realize very quickly we can't accept everything. 
Everyone can't be right. Right? Isn't that what we're running into with women's sports? Right? Well, if they figure out who a woman is and then women's sports, they're, they're all uh, fighting against each other because they're saying, I'm losing my rights and I'm losing your rights. And it's like, because you uh, can't realize who a woman is. But anyway, anyway, that's, that's a whole other story. It's crazy. Look at verse 7. But they have also, or, but they also have erred through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine, and they are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision, they stumble in judgment. So not only was the city of Samaria, not only was the whole country of Israel taken in in this, the priest and the prophets. Yeah. Now remember, yeah. I already read to you, they were not supposed to. Right? They weren't even supposed to drink it. And now it says they're swallowed up of it and they've erred from it. Uh, so here's what happens. You know what happens. First, those priests and prophets had started out in moderation, right? That's what they all say. And then soon they're swallowed up with it. That means it was out of control. And that's what God's saying. Look at where you've come, and I've told you not to do this. And it was leading to their destruction. Because if a religious leader is going to be swallowed up in some sin, they're not going to tell anyone that it's wrong. And if they do, they're a hypocrite. No one's going to believe them. But that pride kept them from seeing anything was wrong with their lifestyle. And it reminds me of this morning. We were talking about Gideon, right? His pride led the things that led him to do the things he did later in life. And, and that's a problem. He should have seen what was happening. But the problem was that alcohol clouded their vision, the Bible says, they couldn't see straight, they erred in their vision, and it made them to cause them to make wrong judgments. They stumbled in judgment. And you think about that, that's not surprising, is it? That's not surprising. No, it causes you to not see things right. It causes you to not make good choices. Well, that, that's pretty easy right there. First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. First uh, Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom Amen. he may devour. Not only the requirements of a bishop require a man to be sober. Titus 2, which I like. Titus 2 talks about uh, the mature women in Christ are supposed to in instruct the younger women, and the mature men in Christ are to instruct the young men, right? That passage in Titus 2, and I always tell people, if you think you're a mature man or woman in Christ, who are you instructing, right? Who are you discipling? Because if you're not, then you're not that mature, because he says that's what you need to be doing. Amen. But the Titus 2, what's it say? That the mature men need to be sober and teach the young men to be sober. The mature women need to teach the young women to be sober in the church. Yeah. We know that it's right. full of ugly effects, don't we? Verse 8 in our passage, For all tables are filled of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. And that's what it's caused in this world. And that's part of the problem. A lot of these assaults and everything else, when they come and they're bringing the court case, alcohol is almost always involved. Yeah, right. Some way or another. It promotes sin, promotes uncleanness, wrong judgment, pride, and our, our societies eat up with it, but so were they in Israel. But look at verse 9, it switches. It switches gears. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. So this is the drunken prophets and priests responding to the prophet Isaiah. 
So we're switching gears right now. Isaiah is preaching against what they're doing, prophesying against how they're living, and now they are responding back to him. It starts in this verse right here. And what they're saying is, who are you to teach us? Right? Who are you to uh, to explain doctrine to us? Uh, how, how can you make us to understand doctrine? And here's what they're saying. And at the last part of it, they're saying, talking about being weaned, they're saying, hey, your message, that's for children, right? You're talking about children, right? You're talking about young people. You're talking about those that are uh, uh, not mature in, in religious things. We are uh, professional religious leaders, right? We're, we're the heads uh, uh, of this yeah. place. How dare you tell yeah. us to live? That's what they're saying. How dare you instruct us? Who are you to say that to us? That's what they're saying. And verse 10 is actually still them talking to Isaiah. And that's where they say, for precept must be upon precept. Uh, and then line upon line, and then here a little, there a little. So they are mocking him is what they're doing right here. They are mocking the prophet Isaiah, saying, hey, your message is too simple. That's what they're telling him. You're saying, when they're saying that line upon line and precept upon precept, what they're saying, the precept especially, is rule upon rule. You're teaching, you know, basically commandment upon commandment, rule upon rule. This is what God expects. This is what God expects. That's what you're teaching. You're breaking it down line upon line because that's what teachers do, right? They, they break something down when it's a big thing, a big concept. They break it down. Right. You learn one line, you learn the next line, and then here a little, there a little, and in their pride, see, they're, they're trying to bash Isaiah, but in their pride, they don't even realize they're complimenting him, right? They're, they're saying, hey, uh, uh, what Isaiah was doing was plainly teaching them. He was plainly instructing them in God's word and God's truth that a way even a child could understand. Amen. That's a good I, I, I mean, that, I was always amazed uh, whenever... Clovis Vanover would come, and he would come into this church, and it didn't matter if the, the oldest adults, uh, all the way to the youngest kids, he would start preaching, and everyone would be fixed on him and hang on every word. It didn't matter what age. They were. I, I looked around a couple times, and I was amazed. They are glued to him. It didn't matter what. Why? Because he just preached it simple. Right? And, and they were excited about it and understood it. And that's what he's saying. Not, uh, not making things over complex. Uh, not making it so where people don't understand. That's what those professional religious leaders would do. Make it sound all high and mighty and complicated and everything else and use big words. Uh, and they, they uh, just acting like they were over top of everybody. But they refused to accept the simple message. They refused the prophet when he broke it down. One of my favorite passages in Nehemiah, I love the book of Nehemiah, but you get to chapter 8, the people gather themselves together by the water gate. They call for Ezra uh, to read uh, and explain the word of the Lord to them, to teach it to them. And Nehemiah 8.8 8 says this, So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Uh, Ezra came in, uh, and they gathered themselves together and told Ezra, we want to hear from God's word. That's a blessing right there. But what he did is he distinctly, he plainly read the scriptures. They explained it to them uh, uh, just line on line. And that is the job of preachers and teachers today. 
Right? That's our job, right. is Amen. to plainly explain Amen. what God's word has. Because there's no sense confusing everybody. We just need to plainly say, here's what God expects. That way they can't argue or they can't say, well, I didn't understand or I was confused or anything else. No, it gets to the decision point at that point, right? We either accept what God says is true or we reject it, right? right. Amen. That's our job. We're not trying to impress people with biblical knowledge, but line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching the church which thus saith the word of God. So they think they're making fun of him. Now he responds... In verse 12, so this is Isaiah, Isaiah responding to the, the mocking prophets. He says, in verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Yes. His message was so simple. But at the verse, at the end of verse 12, what's he say? Yet they would not hear. They didn't want to hear it. And that's what you see many times, right? Uh, many times in the Old Testament, God would send a prophet uh, and they would, they would say, here's what's wrong. Here's what you're doing against what God's already said. And they would give them the word uh, and they would not hear it. And we see that over and over again. And that's sad. But it's also sad when it creeps into the church. And it's sad when we're looking into our Bible and when something is so simple and, and God shows it to us and the Holy Spirit helps us to understand and then we realize something and we say, hey, I am outside in that point right there where God wants me to be. What are we going to do? Are we going to mock the teacher, the, the preacher, the prophet? Are we going to say, you know what? God's right. And I'm not. Amen. But that takes dropping the pride. And humbly coming to God. But he listens to the brokenhearted and the contrite spirit. Right? He, he, uh, he will heal the ones that come and confess and say, hey, I, I messed up. I, yeah. I'm gone astray. Yeah. I, 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 in my pride, that's what David did. He, he admits. Yeah. I mean, you go to yeah. Psalm 51. It's amazing. You see, he clearly says it's my fault. It wasn't Bathsheba's fault. It wasn't anyone else's fault. I sinned against yeah. you. I sinned right. against heaven. Right. And when we do that with God, yeah. that's when we get yeah. results right there. Yes. We learn about who God is, we learn about who he is, and then we see his loving mercy and compassion because he is a restoring God. He's a merciful God, and he would have restored them, but they wouldn't hear, they wouldn't listen. So he continues on, and that's what I was saying, it's a danger to study God's word and not let it change your life. Yeah. Now the answer is not quitting studying God's word, the answer is you deal with it, right? That's what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and he repeats it. He takes their mocking and he says, I like that. Right? I like that. That's what God's called me to do. The word of the Lord is to be taught that way, is to be preached that way, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And you know what it's going to do to you if you don't change your ways? You're going to fall backward and be broken and snared oh. and taken. Yeah. And that's what he said. That's what's coming. Because you won't listen. You won't hear. And that's what happened. The Assyrians came, took them captive. And I'm afraid 
We need to apply God's word to our lives, all the parts, the parts we like, the parts we don't, especially the things that go against our lifestyle so we can conform to God's word, conform to the way God wants us to live. And, and you know, you look at it uh, again, you've got uh, those things in the Bible that show us how we're growing uh, with the Lord. In 1 John, it's got several tests in there. And one of the things is, are we drawing, are we, do we have a greater love for God than this world? Or are, are these, some of these same sins not besetting us as much? Are we, are we able to, to love the brethren more and more and, and push off these things of the world? And it's not a, uh, I look at last week to this week. Uh, no, we, we grow slower than that a lot of times. We got to look at last year and the year before. Am I making progress towards where God wants me to be? Yeah. And if not, that's a problem. See, we can beat ourselves up. See, it's always a balance. On one extreme, we beat ourselves up and say we're no good. God God uh, hates everything I do. I'm a nothing and everything else. But then on the other side, you got the pride side. Look at how good I am. Yeah. I've reached the yeah. point where I don't sin anymore. That's he doesn't right. want either side. He wants us in the middle, yeah. right? Yeah. Sure he wants us realizing we need to keep going towards him, but also really looking back and saying, hey, look where yeah. I brought yeah. you from. Yeah. There has been progress there, praise God. I'm glad for that. And I'm glad I'm amongst the people that want to seriously get into the word and cause it to change our lives. Because that difference is eternal. Right? When we get to heaven, we're gonna, this whole flesh will be gone. All yes. that stuff will be gone. But I want to be as close as I can to him when I get there. But you know what else? You know the only thing we can take to heaven? You know what it is? It's not stuff. Right? It's not things, bank accounts, not money, it's not any of that. It's people. That's what we can take to heaven with us. You know what we need to do? He that winneth souls is wise. Not wise in this world. Wise in God's word. Living it. Showing people that there's a difference. You know, they, they were mocking Isaiah. But I guarantee there were some that saw him. Oh, yeah. And said, you know what? I am tired of yeah, this. You know what? He's right. God's word is against this. You can fill in the blank, whatever sin. If it's not alcohol, fill in the blank, whatever. God is against this. And I need to change. Yeah. Instead of keeping with the pride. And then destruction was soon coming. They were a crown of pride. And we know pride cometh before destruction every time. And a haughty spirit before a fall. But again, if God wasn't merciful, he wouldn't have sent Isaiah. Amen. Right? Merciful God. Amen. If God wasn't merciful, he wouldn't have left the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. Right? Yes. If God wasn't merciful, he wouldn't be preparing a place in heaven for us to go with him. Praise God. I'm glad we have Jesus Christ. I'm glad he died for our sins. Knowing how often we would fail him, he still takes us back. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And here's the thing, even if you were one of those prophets, even if you had wasted, even if you had went against what God said clearly they should do, they could have turned that day and God would have respected that. Yes. Just like anyone else could turn when he touches your heart. But I'm glad that we can continue to go. What do we do when we come in here and we open God's word? Precept upon precept. Yeah. Line upon line. So good. Right? Yeah. That's what we do. Rule upon rule. Here a little, there a little. So that we can build a knowledge. And 
wisdom of what God really wants and who he is. Isn't that wonderful we can do that? And God uses that word, and I'm glad he said it doesn't return void. I just read those verses again, and the verse before that, uh, not returning void, he's talking about the water cycle, how it rains, how it flows down, goes into the water, goes back up into the clouds, and he said, my word is just like that. It won't return void. It will go somewhere, and I will use it to rain again. Isn't that a blessing to think about that? I'm glad his word has power tonight. We're going to open up the altar tonight. Uh, If you need to pray at your seat or if you need us to come pray with you, uh, either way. But uh, if you need to take something to the Lord tonight, I'd urge you to do that. You know, uh, I heard, um, I think it was Brother Aaron Beacon was saying, uh, I heard him say a long time ago, the first time, he said, you know what, if we would just get serious with God, he would get serious with us. And I said, I like that. That is true. Uh, He just wants to hear from us. And you know what? We can be honest with him because he already knows our heart. He knows everything already. He even knows what we need before we ask. And he's a merciful God, and I'm thankful for him.